Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. Out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that celebrates the entire Canadian commercial catalog of Michael Ironside. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're kicking off 2023 with a month-long look with a few of our favorite boutique Blu-ray labels, and we're starting by getting classy with Criterion's release of David Cronenberg's 1981 Canadian classic, Scanners. And whether you've got vascular veins or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your hole. Uh, and you can find us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk. And on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab which leads to shenanigans and psychic shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, January 6th, uh, if you live in the Kansas City area or find yourself in the Kansas City area, uh, head on over to screenland.com where you will find they have your psychic shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually. And genius, the Friday this episode is releasing. Yes. Our latest Friday Night Fright. Yes. Kicking off 2023. With a bang. With a movie that we've taken in uh, with a few repertory screenings. I have actually know it's played as a Friday Night Fright before. Mm-hmm. However, we're going to basically be seeing it for the first time as we're going to be taking in the Beyond the Composer's Cut. Yes. Which a whole brand new score from one Fabio Fritzi. Uh-huh. And this one's called the Cat Hole, the Cat Hole Symphony. This one is up for you. It's a, it's your own personal Easter egg. Yeah. But the original score is one of my it's favorites. Dope. It's of his. slick. And so to see him fully unleashed, what he wants to like, I'm gonna make a redo with myself, and then just to see what he does, I'm excited because this movie, I love this Italian film. It's. Bug nuts crazy, yeah, it is. but do you think we're going to get any uh, get a little bit of a the softer side of Fritzy in I the score? I hope so. I hope so because that was delightful. That was a nice surprise. That was delightful. If you haven't had a chance to see, uh, we were lucky enough. Uh, to, what did he he actually scored for the Beyond? Was it not? Uh, no, it was or, for. Um, was it? Yeah, it was the Beyond. Was it the Beyond? Yeah. Yeah. It was for it was for Fulci. That's right. Yes. That right. So we had a chance to see Fabio Fritzi perform the score for the Beyond Live. And now to hear it, like I said, it's it's gonna show up on an I've seen that episode. Because I basically it's like seeing it for the first time. Here really? the thing is the whatever movie was playing, whatever happened, it was shadowed due to the softer the side and the, the cat hole. <laughs> I mean, like so it did kind of take over the hell, entire evening. He could have been like 
you know, today I'm going to change it up. I'm not going to show one of my movies. I'm going to score a Star Wars, right? And like, fucking uh, cool. Yep. It was wonderful. It was was. wonderful. Now, looking forward to next Friday Night's Fright, which happens to be falling on a Friday the 13th. (gasps) And we're going to be celebrating Friday the 13th, which, (laughs) not that one. We're... When we eventually get to that as a commentary track, we'll have a, a hefty conversation. No, we're going to be screening and taking in what some would say and what, depending on the day you, you get catch me on, I can argue is the best representation of what a Friday the 13th film can be, could be, should be. Uh, we're going to be taking in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Not the, the quote unquote the final chapter, and but you know what, a hundred percent agree. Depending on the day, it could be anywhere, but it's always going to be in the top five of mine. Top three at least for me. Yeah, I usually go the even numbers. I'm mm-hmm. almost like with Star Trek, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I think if you go two, four, and six, you've got the scariest, the best, and the funniest. Yeah. See, but depending on the day, my love for the remake, my love for X creeps up a little bit more. You know, so every with every rewatch, but no. Four is always a good, good time. So please come on out for that one. Now, the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 6th, uh, a movie that I remember seeing in the theater with my old roommate, Matt, and we went back and saw it several times, and we were always by ourselves because it didn't do well theatrically. It wasn't until The Big Lebowski found its audience uh, via the rentals that Mm -hmm. the cult of Lebowski came about, and it's also one of those f- films where I'm not saying the audience has spoiled the movie for me, but so many people, their their personality is with the Lebowski, the Dow of Lebowski. Yeah. And that's cool. That's totally cool. But, you know, I'll have my white Russian, but I still legitimately love the movie. In fact, having seen The Long Goodbye for the first time made The Big Lebowski play that much better. Uh. It's And again... Being the cat lover you are, you really need to watch The Long Goodbye. See, I got to watch The Long Goodbye. But I remember watching The Big Lebowski and like, this movie is hilarious. It's hard for a a lot of people to see Jeff Bridges not as the dude. And anything else. And anything else. Because even when he shows up in Iron Man as the villain, I'm like, dude, the dude does not abide. (laughs) He must have hit some hard time. He went full on non the dude. (laughs) He had a little too much time with Walter. And again, yeah, John Goodman in this movie, everyone involved. Uh, for a lot of people, this is Pete Cohen, but it wasn't what they were expecting after Fargo. Yeah. It was the last thing they were expecting. Was this weird... Switching it up. That's well, what they do best. Yeah, it is. So come on out for that one. Now, the one I'm most anxious for, and sadly, uh, much like last weekend's screening of Xanadu, as it became a memorial screening for Olivia Newton-John, um, this screening of Flash Gordon is now our memorial screening for the director, Mike Hodges. Who mm-hmm. just recently passed away, and Flash is one of those movies that you and I hold dearly. That movie is super fucking wonderful. That one indeed launched not a thousand. Actually, it could have been a thousand, a thousand, phob- a thousand and, fetishes. Without that, a doubt, that that is a randy film. Oh, that's a horny movie. That is a randy film. I'm still telling you, one of these days, me, you, and Mount Baldy should go dressed up. You can be Baron, I can be Voltan, and he can be Ming. That that means I get to wear a Errol Finn Flynn pencil thin mustache. You, you know you want to. Well, you of know, course. You know you're right. You Gives know me you're an rock. excuse. Exactly. No, 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 no. I will wear it. I am in my forties. I, I want. I want to rock some big old gold wings. Dive. Dive! 
Just, I think it, I think we could do it. I think we could do it. I'm all down. I'm all down. Just you know, you know what? Ideally, for Nerdoween Nine, that should be what we dress up as. Nice. Let's make it happen. Nice. Let's make it happen. Now, of course, if all of this stuff sounds cool and you want to be like Flash <clears throat> ah! and save Screenland from afar, you can do that. Uh, you can go to ScreenlandOnline.com where you can rent a number of films from them directly, or even better. Become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash screenland, where amongst the many perks, we contribute a little watch party called the Shutter Shoutout. And in fact, our latest one is going to be happening on January 28th. And uh, what is it? It's going to be determined later. It's our annual TVA. Want to take our time and yeah. put together a nice double feature because technically... We still haven't recorded for December's. We're recording in advance again. Mm-hmm. But um, we will be streaming two films via Shutter. But by joining the Screenland film family, you have access to what What do you call it? It's the home game. Where we provide. Time to play the game. If only we came out. If only, like, we could have a Lemmy-esque character and figure write a write a song for us yeah. sing it for us yeah the, the 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 home game like theme song that would be that would not be too terribly bad but no we provide a customized uh, pre-show uh, video introduction where genius and I give you a little context and information regarding the films a trailer reel for each movie and of course post film discussion mm-hmm. where we are processing the movies so if that sounds something that you would be interested in, in experiencing head on over to patreon.com/screenland but genius I'm talking Patreon and film family. He bellies. We also have a little freaky group of people that are uh, uh, joining us, mm-hmm. having fun with us, mm-hmm. being uh, film family, pally members. Being rad, being fucking rad. And here in the month of January, we actually are loaded with content. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are part of the I've Seen That tier or above, uh, not only are you going to have access to all the stuff in our Shutter Shoutouts, but our most recent uh, request and review episode, which got weird. It got really weird. <laughs> we, w- we had to go to the, the early 90s to get this weird. Mm-hmm. But what was wonderful. We went weird and avant-garde. And we saw so many seeds planted from this movie. We were winners. <laughs> it was winning time. <laughs> it was star time. Star time. Such an interesting movie. Yes. An, an experience. Now, of course, uh, we share our we give our thoughts on that and so much more over there. So if you'd like to come and become a member of our film family, head on over to patreon.com slash Nightmare Junkhead. Uh, again, a lot of good stuff coming up mm-hmm. in the month of January. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of goodies. Uh, speaking of goodies, the theme of this month's episode mm-hmm. is something that pertains to both you and myself, uh, something that is very near and dear to you and my, you and I, uh, the, the podcast, and a number of people out there, and that is just we talk about it often that we live in this almost grand time where the most obscure and random movie can get a, just a loaded boutique Blu-ray release. Yeah, and we're talking random stuff, super random, because there are so many companies out there devoted to licensing these films. 
cataloging, archiving, putting together special features. Making it their whole raison d'etre to find the most obscure and find as much about it as possible. And load it with features, restore the movie as much as they can, because there are some of these, they go back to like the 35 millimeters uh, prints. and Some even the work prints. And are just these are lovingly handled and put out. So it's incredible because, like I said, there are so many movies out there, you can't really complain about the access mm-hmm. because, of course, there's the stuff that's streaming, but we are focusing everything this month on stuff that is tangible, stuff that you can feel. We're talking physical media. Mm-hmm. And as someone who partakes in trading online... Yes! Like, literally... And actually, when I was thinking, I was like, God, that is so smart because you're just you're basically trading stuff that you don't really watch all that much anymore for stuff that you know you want to watch mm-hmm. and or extras. Yes, yeah. of, of course, of course. We got to gift our film family Friday Night Fright film mm-hmm. family members, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it continues because the one thing you never have to worry about worry about when you have physical stuff: DVDs, VHS, Laserdisc, Beta, whatever. Again, sixteen millimeter, whatever. You never have to worry about the licensing rights being lost right? and then having access to the stuff that you bought no longer have. A, it's, it's it's one of those things. You don't have to worry about that. Like the Disney vault. Yes. How much back in the day? And they're like, it's going back in the Disney vault. <laughs> and you couldn't find it for years. I mean, how many times now for the show? I mean, even looking back, we couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Fortunately, one of us had a copy of yep. it somewhere, yep. you know, due to a boutique Blu-ray or an old school bare bones physical media thing but another thing we were talking about this off mic and um another thing about physical media is the cover art oh it's all about and the cover especially art. in the boutique when you have some of the new improved cover art and some of the old school cover art that's another lost art you can't see the cool designs mm. and the what the basically what the gist of what the story is trying to tell you? It's you. You in go the thumbnail. from yeah. You go from something that is just blown up, grand, and I actually just watched a documentary called Twenty Four by Thirty Six, which is just all about that, the art of the illustration mm-hmm. that went into the movie posters, that then also then transitioned to your VHS covers, your Laserdisc covers, your DVD covers, your boutique Blu-ray covers, of which they've got many prominent current contemporary artist creating some incredible artwork some very unique that, cool thing that you want to display that mm-hmm. goes beyond just housing the blu-ray oh yeah it becomes a set piece that you want to show which is part of the collectability that they're putting together with these boutique blu-rays right which is one of the many reasons why they go for a higher price on the secondary market uh it's the reason why when vintage stock We'll get re- uh, regional here when they have their two for one used things. Yeah. I only do that if I can find boutique used Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. And that's where my collection has largely been compiled from. And there's some winners in there, of course, like the one we're going to talk about today. And then there's the ones that I might watch again. It, like I'm looking at you, the initiation. <laughs> it was a good experience. It's It might show up at Christmas, Christmas with the nerds. But uh, some of them are blind buys, and again, sometimes those are the best ones, but it was loaded with extra features. So regardless if I dug the movie that much, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Just seeing how it's made, you know? And we've been on um, 
that side of the camera where we saw oh. how the sausage is made yeah. on a few different occasions on a few different things. And it's always interesting to see it. But then to see how they do some of the unique practical effects, some of the unique behind the... I mean, there's whole documentaries how the, how this film got made mm-hmm. on Netflix, uh, the cursed films in a roundabout way. But that's another thing you don't see with streaming. When's the last time you've seen a, a good featurette for a movie with that movie. We'll get to them eventually. They do kind of exist because I think they know it's a more current company that knows they're trying to cater to the audience that is looking for that. But that's one of the things that really was my first gateway into extra features. And I remember the very the first DVD I bought was for Fight Club. And it was because of the commentary track that I happened to listen to while I was at work. I, I was at, working at a library, so I just rented it from downstairs, took it upstairs, we weren't not a lot of people in, threw it in. And it was the first commentary track I heard, and it was Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and David Fincher. And it was phenomenal. It was funny. I thought sometimes it was better than what I was watching with the film. And I was hooked and addicted to the special features. And of course, they've been there from the beginning with laser discs. Yeah. But I never had access to a laser disc. Neither have I. Uh, not with the commentaries, but some of the special features that I really enjoyed, some of the old school ones, were uh, on the VHS. At the very end? At or... the end of the Full Moon Productions. Yes, yes. When they would show, and this is how we made Radu's little blood homunculi. And they're showing, and I'm like, that's cool. And that kind of like, that shit kind of sparked my interest mm-hmm. between that and Fangoria and yes. all those kind of stuff. So like... The seeds of wanting to know how the sausage is made have always been there. And that's the great thing about having it already on a physical media with the Blue Teak Blu-rays. Because especially, they go deep. Yes, they do. I mean, they go deep. I mean, some commentaries like, okay, this commentary is from the actor's cousin who was there. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Oh, okay. Cool, all right, cool. He was the sandwich guy. That works, that works. Sometimes they probably... And, that, the, honestly, and they got some deep dish too they have some of the best stories uh, on the movie crypt podcast with adam green and joe lynch some of the best stories come from members of the crew not necessarily the cast and they're not going to talk the mad shit of the or the real shit not about the, the mad movie. shit it's just the weird shit the weird, they experience yeah. you know uh and that's the stuff you'll experience with a lot of these releases and so many current distribution companies and i'm not and again not the boutique the non-boutique blu-rays they will still put Blu-rays up, but they're bare bones. Mm-hmm. If you're you're lucky, if you get a trailer, yeah. so that is why you know the love that is put into the special features. So shout out to like Justin Beam and everyone at Revenant Enter- Entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, Michael um, Flesher, I believe from Red Shirt Pictures. Uh, there's a number of companies out there that are devoted to like, and it's basically it's archiving and capturing all these memories and the makings of by the people that made these films so we know those stories yeah we know the intimate stuff that happens and that's the stuff that we've been eating up since day one with this podcast well shit look at um new york ninja all it perfect story perfect story right there and going beyond just like restoration and extra features to the to completing Mm -hmm. a film to find and finding it it's it's look at look at amusement park 
How many... Let's not look at amusement park. No, well, let's look at the story. I, I wanna... Let's look at the story of amusement park. Let's not let's not get that dour. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that's haunting. My that God, movie is fucking haunting. No, yeah, and and, and actually, um, you know, companies like Shutter, and again, what they're doing for streaming is wonderful. Yeah, but. It's but that physical stuff. Having it something tangible to hold it in your hand, to, to, to read, read the booklet, to look to, at the cover art. Yeah, soak it in. To to sit there and like actually one, know what you're gonna watch. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh, I wonder what we're gonna do, what we're gonna watch. And put it in there and sitting down and like looking at the menus and even finding the old Easter eggs. Like one of the favorite things. One of the coolest like Wow, yeah. Before I mean, we get it, we're not even gone into scanners yet, but one of the oh, coolest no, like time. DVD things, like menu things, was on the 13 ghosts. Because if you scroll farther enough, there's an Easter egg that will show you all of the black zodiac and little bios for each one of the ghosts. Very cool. It's fucking rad, but you have to find it. You constantly would be pushing the up, Mm -hmm. down, left, and right, like you're putting in a Konami code. Right. You need 30 more lives, but you'd find 30 more cool featurettes. And it, it just, it rewarded nerds. That had time on their hands to actually dig deep into that, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. You felt involved and like a two-way thing going on with the with the media. Um, let's talk Criterion Genius. Fancy. Let's get fancy, fancy. Fancy. I was about to ask you, what comes to mind when you think of Criterion? Classy. It used to be like, oh, it's hotty toddy. Merchant Ivory, Remains of the Day, period films. The, the stuff that... I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to see at the Tivoli. Exactly. The other side of the Tivoli. Yes, that other, the other theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when they, you look at the catalog and you're like, oh, Con Air. Wait, no, Rock, The Rock is on the there? The Rock is on there. Oh. Armageddon is on there. RoboCop is on there. And my favorite one. Well, RoboCop's a goddamn national treasure of a movie. Capital F film. Kevin Smith Chasing Amy has a Criterion release. Really? And has one of my favorite commentaries with him. And this is it's Ben Affleck before he became bigger Ben Affleck, director Ben Affleck. They are just busting each other's balls and having a good time for 90 minutes. It's better than the movie itself. And that was a movie I saw at the Tivoli yeah. back in the day. And I immediately picked it up on the Criterion Blu-ray. And Kevin Smith was still... And he is to this day very involved with his fans, but he's also he's a fan at heart, so he knows what goes into this, and he loads his stuff up. Oh, nice! Just to the point. So yeah, I don't know if it's readily available, but yeah, no RoboCop because it also includes uh, the 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 un, the basically the director's cut, the one where Mr. Kenny gets even more undone. <laughs> um, but the Armageddon one also features a commentary with Ben Affleck, of which he talks mad shit on Michael Bay. That's funny. It's it's well worth your time. The lure has a good Criterion release. Yes, I it, didn't get into the commentaries because it's all in Polish, but <laughs> but they got a lot of stuff about the music, mm-hmm. which is like a major part of the lure, and that's cool. Eating Rolls got a cool one. Like all the Criterion, you know, when you're getting Criterion, you're gonna get a lot of stuff, and a lot of it's gonna be weird. Criterion is fancy schmancy. Oh, yeah, it's still got that fancy schmancy side, but it's got its little freaky deaky side too. And then I also they you know recently put out uh, for the fiftieth year anniversary for a Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. a fantastic Blu-ray. 
but they also get very fancy. They get yeah. to the stuff that and they also get very pricey. You oh. can drop with boutique stuff. Well, and so they started back in 1984 when they would have gotten their start on Laserdisc. And it mm-hmm. was back in 84, I think it was in their second release, it was for King Kong, was when they put out, it was technically the first audio commentary track. And it was by a film historian. And from there, that exploded. And like I said, the, and the Laserdiscs were pricey already. The Criterion Laserdisc? Forget about it. Forget about it. Did you ever get to watch anything on Laserdisc? I, I didn't know anybody with a Laserdisc player. River Ridge, the neighborhood across the river, across the bridge, the fancy plate. I had a friend that had one, and it was incredible. Even though we didn't listen to the commentary track, the fact that you had to go and like put in it, switch it, turn it over, was fascinating. Because we had a VHS player, yeah, but that laser Laser disc was next level. Uh, A big CD, yes, yeah, yeah. It's 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 incredible. Yeah, but Criterion was there. From the start, and they were the ones that set the precedent, like you said, of having what's better, a baked potato by itself or a loaded baked potato? Oh, a loaded baked potato, minus the cheese and sour cream, of yeah, course. Minus the cheese and sour cream, all the other Unless stuff. Unless it's vegan sour cream or vegan cheese, go. and then it's all good. But you want it loaded, yeah. You and want the- more stuff, more stuff is always better. And you, do you want just a burger? Do you want the lettuce and the tomato and all the bit, right? Drag it through the garden. Exactly. Drag it through the garden and the pig pen. Slap some bacon on that mother. <laughs> Which is a long way to say in getting around to Criterion put out a Blu-ray for David Cronenberg's Scanners. Mm-hmm. Love us some Cronenberg. Yes, we do. And we've devoted, we're going back, we've devoted two official main episodes uh, to Shivers uh-huh. and The Fly. But two and a half if you count Nightbreed. That's fair on a Shutter shout out. Mm-hmm. And But listen, Cronenberg is in the he's DNA. He's in the DNA of the show. Of literally. He's, doubt. he's in the flesh. It's wet, genius, malleable. <laughs> and I always get legitimately excited when we get to talk about Cronenberg. But here's the fact that's going to blow your mind more than a Canadian Frank Oz. Right. Or, or, <laughs> or a Tobias Funke. Oh, no. I blew myself. <laughs> have you seen this before, Genius? Yeah, I've seen that. Hey, Greg, have you seen Scanners before? Ah, uh, yeah. Come on, man. Michael Ironside exploring ahead of uh, psycho, uh, psycho Canadian shenanigans. Uh-huh. I've seen that. Uh huh. The reason. <laughs> Why I chose this. The reason I did this, I wanted to do this whole themed month was because I've never seen Scanners. Mm-hmm. And I had assumed that you had seen Scanners. Right. Based on how many years of friendship now, genius? Right. It's been a minute. And then here you go. Like, these are the choices we want for uh, January. Like, all right, cool. You know, I'll, I'll do this. You've seen Scanners. So I'm thinking, yeah, you can. And cool, you'll be able to be my Sherpa up this psychic it, mountain. I knew it had Ironside. I knew it was Cronenberg, and I knew some heads blew up. And when you gave me the, when, that information, it felt I probably looked like I had been scanned. I was like, yeah. Because through our conversations, through our shared love of Cronenberg. And Ironside. And, 
and Canadian con- exploitation. All the stuff put the pedigree of this right? movie Everything, is made. The dynamic of the whole it's unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. This should be right up our fucking alley. We should have probably experienced this so many years ago. So, question one, genius. Why have we not taken this in? I am not sure. I I've been sitting on this Blu-ray right? for at least a year. We could have been enjoying this a long time ago. It's just like that one, like, shit, I didn't know you party. We could have been partying a long time ago. Shit. And I don't know why I've been sitting on it. I th- I've probably been waiting for the right moment because it was going to end up on, and I've seen that little episode, I'm sure, regardless. Yeah, at some point. But it's a New Year's miracle. New mm-hmm. Year's, new movie. And via reputation... This is one of those movies, 2022, a lot of surprises. Mm -hmm. Ideally, 2023, also starting with some surprises because this this went in directions I wasn't anticipating. Me neither. I was not expecting the amount of just differentness i don't know what i was expecting i don't know because i don't know what camp of cronenberger would have fell into let's talk about the three established um classifications of cronenberg that we've come up with over the course of the years of the show uh classification number one is creepy cronenberg Mm -hmm. now this is usually associated primarily with either Older, very rough and raw Cronenberg. Younger Cronenberg. Or dealing with things of overt sexuality. And yes, yes. Where he Which, where it's where it's almost leering, so, where so it's that's, creepy. That's one big circle, uh-huh. right? Now, another circle that can occasionally overlap the classy, or excuse me, the creepy, is the classic mm-hmm. Cronenberg. And classic pertains to when he was being considered more not just this Canadian exploitation filmmaker. But a true Artur. Yes. Where he was winning awards. A voice from the North genius. Yes. Where he Cerebral. Was, where he, Cerebral. He, he was a critical a critical darling. But he was also very... Uh, there's That's another circle then. That's another circle. Is the classic. And, mm-hmm. But guess what? That classic can overlap occasionally with creepy. Absolutely. And you Multiple go, oh. times. Yes. Yeah, so Multiple times. It folds itself over. Yes. It cannot help itself. <laughs> And then the last classification, the last circle we have, is contemporary Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. And this is you get a lot of the most current stuff. Um, think A History of Violence. Mm-hmm. Think the film he did with... Um, About the guy the, on the guy the, the bicycle where it's just like him in the... the Spider? No, not that crazy one. It's one where he just... It's a normal. It's okay, nothing again, crazy. He's got a... And again, a number of them I haven't seen. Yeah. I've seen those. Yeah, same. A lot of contemporary. But a lot stuff of contemporary one is on there, but like he, also his Vigo Mortensen stuff. Yeah, he started a collaboration with him, mm-hmm. but then he would also veer outside of his normal genre. He would go right. more again, just yeah, to the, the normies in a way, more regular rom uh, dramas. The other theater at the Tivoli. Uh huh. Exactly. Not be the other out. side, right? Right. The fancy schmancy side. And again, though, that can also fold over absolutely overlap. into either the classic. Or the creepy, because I heard because you have like Crash, Crash. Oh man, that's contemporary. Yeah, that's... that won awards or like a lot yeah. of critical appraise. Oh, without a doubt, and it's creepy. Oh. So that that's one of the one. The Fly. Okay, here's the. I saw Crash at the Tivoli, mm-hmm. and when Holly Hunter amidst the first crash reveals her bare breast for the first time, I was uncomfortable. 
I was not prepared for this kind of Cronenberg. I don't know what I was prepared for. It's but it creepy was not for Cronenberg. That. Oh, we're getting weird with it's hard wounds. To, it's hard to dream it and be it when there's nothing to dream or be. <laughs> yeah, that's you know a, what I'm saying? That, so that the, pool is not filled with water, no, my friend. No, it's not. It's something gross. Oh, my. But that's the beauty of Cronenberg. Even Cronenberg can Cronenberg mm-hmm. and overlap. And, and Cronenberg's been and Cronenberg's cool. Oh, Cronenberg, geez. he's he's smart, but he doesn't flaunt it because he's down with the joke because he, he wants to get killed by Jason Voorhees. Oh. He wants to play Deckard and freak everybody out. I tell you, I think he has that mask at home. I think I think <laughs> that he think he keeps that. A lot of the props that we've seen, those are from his old home collection and especially we'll talk about some of we'll them eventually later. get to the cronenberg because collection the cronenberg collection the ikea cronenberg collection is fucked up and throughout the movie i was just taking so much joy in a film that we're taking in from 1981 that we've never seen that's part of again that one that kind of this one is definitely classic Cronenberg because mm-hmm. it doesn't really get creepy no it doesn't and it's not contemporary Mm-mm. so this is almost like peak classic cronenberg yeah this is the 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 uh quintessential classic yeah in fact question i we could save it till the end but if you were to take the perfect example of creepy classic and contemporary cronenberg what would your examples be because mm. i almost have a feeling like ours would probably overlap pretty well so for creepy i would probably go with of course my favorite shivers shivers yeah um for classic i would go scanners okay and for contemporary i would probably go history of violence that's a good one yeah that's a really good one i'm also gonna go shivers for creepy because it just, it's just it's shivers. wonderfully it's creepy shivers uh for classic i'm actually gonna go the brood because that one i know overlaps a lot with the creepy but you're also he's taking on yeah. more mature themes and then contemporary I'm gonna go with uh, Crimes of the Future. That one's still, his newest one. It's his brand new. But can't that of- also overlap in the creepy oh. and the classic? It in- goes out of its way to overlap with creepy. <laughs> it's wonderful. And you're telling me that it's funny. That's another thing. I, his movies, especially the, especially the creepy, because oh. the, especially it's, the creepy. It's unreal. they're hilarious. They're so overtly funny in a smart way. It's almost like take the goof out of Frasier and then you'd have like and I'm not saying if you don't find it funny you're dumb not at oh, all no no not at all no not at all. but some of his creepy stuff it's just some of the characters do funny things what? just ridiculously funny things because the scenarios are not funny no. but just their delivery and it's not like hey let's laugh at this it's like they're making choices oh, to be funny in this scenario and it works because it's a funny scenario. There are no small uh, small parts. They're just small actors. Like Dr. Pickles. That's the one thing I lament. There's no Dr. Pickles in Scanners. You were Jonesy. Dr. You, Pickles is fucking rad. Anything you were making, before his death, I was looking. I was waiting. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to on. manifest. One of these guards is going to turn into Dr. Pickles. Dr. Pickles is dope. But it did give us several returning... Uh, Cronenberg collaborators, including our favorite guy from The Brood, with the neck psychoplasmics mm-hmm. as a a an artful scanner. Yes, the artful scanner, and he's the one with the his art is from the home Cronenberg collection. Wow, because his art is wonderfully disturbing. You, you would almost it seemed like you would have to sign a waiver to go through that gallery because guarantee if you prick 
your finger or you get caught on any of that, the blood. Cenobites are going to like come yes, out just yes. like in the fucking, yeah. The and these are Canadian Cronenberg Cenobites, my friend. We have so, such things to show you, eh? It's terrifying. Angels to some, hosers to others. <laughs> yeah. No, I, here's the thing. I would love to see in my in my mind. Next, coming up next on MTV's Cribs, David Cronenberg. Oh, hey, how's it going? Come on into the flesh house, right? And then like he's like, and this is my dining room, and it's the dining room from Nightbreed with the knives all over the wall, right? And he goes, and this is my art studio, and then there's like. That weird, like, stuff. And then over here is my rumpus room, right? And then you're like, oh, cut, 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 cut. (laughs) What's wrong? What's wrong? Come on. It's just flesh. You American prudes. Come on. Don't be so, don't be so, like, loosen up, eh? (laughs) (laughs) And and then he goes, here, I'll help you. And here comes the little goblins. Hoompa, loompa, doompa, dee, do. Oh, God, no, no, <laughs> We no. got some psychoplasmatics for you. Oh. <laughs> that's, no, I don't want to think about it. And that's, that's, that's the power of Cronenberg. Is he? Cronenberg's candy company, just like. <laughs> See him do a little roll outside, his whole get up. I, I, that's the thing though. De, like Cronenberg could do that. Yeah, yeah. He's got some pretty good acting chops. And he's fucking smart. He's, he, he's super smart and he's like, he, he, and he does, he's a very good actor when he, when he pulls it out. Cause he's creepy. Have you, if you had the chance, there's a good um, Q and a that Joe Lynch moderated uh, for the, for a fly screening that had Gina Davis, Howard Shore and David Cronenberg. Wonderful. And, you know Joe, he can be a little long-winded, so he's like, real quick. So he's got an, in- and he, he likes, with us, like to give yeah. a little introduction, yeah, to set the mood. But it's him waxing the cars, and fucking Cronenberg goes back at him. But he's just he's he's clear, he's crisp, he's Canadian, he's everything you want him to be, man. It's it's on YouTube. I highly recommend checking it out. But Cronenberg was in. They did a um. A basically retrospective of his uh, the entirety of his work, mm-hmm. and he attended like basically every Q and A for every film, and the tickets went up like crazy. Well, yeah, it's Cronenberg. It's, it's I would Cronenberg. love to. I would love to pick Cronenberg's brain. Oh my god! But then he'd probably turn the tables on me, on and me. I'd wind up be crying in the thing, or like, so tell me more about the flesh. Like I'm <laughs> gobble gobbling whatever fucking shit he's selling. So we had expectations going into this movie. If you've been to any th- any film that we've hosted and we get to program the pre-show and the movie contains any kind of a head explosion, mm-hmm. you're guaranteed we have shown this. Yes. In fact, it's very much possible this is the clip that then segues into our still screen so we can do the yakety smackety. Probably. And the, it's the one, Frank Oz right in the middle of it. And it's, it's that one that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. We've all seen it. And we knew going in. This happens early on into the movie, so I didn't know what to expect. I had heard, heard, a little bit slower, and that big head explosion happens at the beginning. Yeah, uh-huh. You heard the same thing. Have an experience now, genius. What are your thoughts? No! Scanners? This movie was not slow. This movie was slick. It was slick. This movie... I didn't know what to expect, knowing I'm always going into Cronenberg hoping for creepy <laughs> and coming out pleasantly surprised either way. 
Of right? course. So, of course, someone coming in creepy. I'm thinking it's going around some guys going around exploding people's heads or there's a STD of some sort making people's head explode. You know, it's Cronenberg. It's Cronenberg. It's Cronenberg. <laughs> this, I was not expecting a quote-unquote realistic down-to-earth superhero origin story this movie was unbreakable Mm -hmm. this movie was basically cronenberg's psychic x-men it built up this whole universe of people with powers people that can do things and not just psychoplasmatics i mean i could totally see the cronenberg cinematic universe that's just it throughout the movie we kept looking at each other going this is this is x-men uh-huh. this is a superhero movie this and is then- the, the, the dark phoenix saga this is like this is like the cronenberg and- must be love some sci-fi uh well we already know he loves hey, sci-fi <laughs> no, no no but i mean like comic oh, yeah. books of course like and let me tell old you, school shit chris claremont's x-men rung was happening in the late 70s. So there's a lot of heavy influence mm-hmm. from that. And that was one of my favorite things of this film. I mean, we basically had our uh, Professor Xavier and Magneto and the X-Men caught in the middle of it. We had the two camps, the two factions, two different ways of looking at things now. We had the, we had Charles Xavier with Dr. Ruth. We had Magneto with Michael Ironside. Mm-hmm. Fuck, we even had Moira McTaggart with, um, what, what was her name, Ira? Yeah. Uh, so we had all these different with the 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 Genosha records. We had all sorts of stuff that could play into this. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And then this we was started slick. and we started thinking about the fact that yeah, you could bring in Samantha Eggers' character from the Brood to this team as mm-hmm. someone that can provide these little humunculi with hammers, right? That can overwhelm you. Like that's terrifying, right? And they have and with the Shiver sex monsters, they could be the version of the Brood from the X Men, the Pawns, right? Just going around. You have Sidegina with um with Rabid, mm-hmm. but then even better is the fact that and then you have Brendel Fly. And he could be like the beast, like he could like keep his intelligence and then yet do his like acrobatic shit, vomit on people. No, no, his nemesis would be Toad. Yeah, absolutely. Natural enemies. Absolutely. Natural enemies. Absolutely. But then going even further, you could have Jennifer uh, Jason Lee's character from Existence as like the person for their danger room for the main computer. She's like the bishop or the cable where she's got the gun attached to her arm. Oh, man, there we go. Boom, 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 That also spits out teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. So many ways that you could bring in this crazy Cronenberg X-Men group. But it's set up in this one. Like, this is where the one where everything is kind of like, this is the linchpin. It's staring us right in the face. Cronenberg's Alpha Flight. Fuck yeah. Why do we not have that? Fuck yeah. Why do we not have that? David Cronenberg, do it. Mm -hmm. Make it happen. Come on now. A whole Canadian league with just like... With all Canadian actors, I I would love that to happen. Who who would you have in the Cronenberg staple be Sasquatch? <sighs> Ooh, well, technically, it would have to eventually be. It'd either be CG or hopefully man in suit or person in suit. Yeah. Well, current Do we have contemporary any ca- Canadian strongmen. You could you could have an is Leah, it Derek Mears Canadian? Dark Mirror. I'm not sure. What I am sure of though is Leah Sudo as one of the there's the the. The twins that have the white hair uh-huh. that can turn into things, she could be one half of that. You could have Evan Peters as the other kid. 
Let's throw in Danny DeVito, CGI him as Puck, even though I know Peter Dinklage would be better. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, though. I would You would have to do some CG. It would probably be like, vo- bring Rick Moranis back for some voice work as Sasquatch. There you go. I can see. I would love that. Uh, even though he's he's already Deadpool, we could have Ryan Reynolds as North Star. That would be good. Yeah. I can see him as Vindicator, maybe. Yeah, that would work. I this is this is that wizard level recasting exactly stuff, contemporary, but let's get with back Catherine on. Isabel as the sister. Ooh. Of course, Catherine is she's Canadian royalty. Mm-hmm. Got to have her up in that piece. Mm-hmm. Now let's get back though to scanners. Yes. Going back to our true telepathic and psychic shenanigans um, from the opening theme. First and foremost, again we have so many regular Cronenberg collaborators coming back. Yeah. But the Howard Shore score is bombastic. It's, it's and it's very avant-garde, futuristic. Yes, because it's, it's got that big like Howard Shore, bam, 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 bam. But then peppered in is like. It felt a little like what Carpenter would do the next year in Halloween three. Three that kind of score. exactly with the with a little bit of like computers because there's a lot of computer technology in this movie. It's a lot of for computer a psychic stuff going in there. Yeah, for a psychic thing, especially the fact that like they can change their powers. I mean, their powers okay. their powers evolve. Can we do a scanner scanning roll call in terms of the powers because it was it was like the sonic screwdriver of powers. It could they could do. They were the util like the the Swiss Army thing of scanners. Well, we know that the two main the two main ones, um, the Michael Ironside and um, Revic as Revic. Gosh, he's a great Revic. villain. He's a great. He's I'm Revic. <laughs> but um, Michael Ironside and I forgot his name. The our hero, uh, Milk Toast guy. Milk Toast. Yes. So they're the sons, so they have the two main powers. So before we get into the power roll call, everybody else has powers too, but we know that they're the two most powerful, mm-hmm. except for, spoilers, the new generation coming up. Yes. So does is it kind of like mutants and vampires, an interview with the vampire world where everybody has like they can kind of do the same basic stuff, but everybody kind of specializes they have in their own little- one special niche? Or does everybody have all the main things? It's just they're not as powerful as the two. I think they all have the potential for it, ideally. But based on your region, where you grow up, how you're trained, you'll tap into other things. But I think that you'll have the bases like telekinesis, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're going to make you do things. Right. Um, But then also... But they don't really have like... They really don't have like telekinesis. They have telepathy where they can zap into your mind, telekinesis where they can like make you do shit, but not to the point where they can move things oh, that no, I know the of. the telepathy is basically... Yeah, the mind it. shit, but they don't have like... They can't move things. They don't have no, the force, right. but they do have the Jedi mind tricks. And that's that moment that in any other movie when Ironside has got the guy with the gun to his head, he would say, pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. He has the most subtle little head change and then just the tilt and then boom. It was magnificent. Same thing when Ironside's tackled and the doctor's going to shoot him up with ephemeral. And, um, oh, yeah. just He just looks at him like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you're all good here. Doesn't say <laughs> shit. That's the thing I liked about it. He wasn't maniacal until the very, very end when he needed to be. He was always 
a menacing creep. And he sent his goon squad first, as a supervillain would. And that's what I loved about him. He was this more realistic, grounded supervillain. He wasn't like, <laughs> but yet he wanted to take over the world and destroy it. And so, and this is 1981, Michael Ironside. This is probably still making Labatt Blue commercials. He Iron Ironside. probably just uh, he got the audition for Hello Mary Lou Prom Night too. Yes, it's. It's wonderful to go back and see him work because when we were talking about him, he is one of those character actors that has shown up outside of genre. And that's when you know you've made your mark. When mm-hmm. you are appreciated in Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, but you're probably more well-known for being, I believe, Jester in Top Gun. Yeah. You always go, oh, yeah, Ironside's in that. He's one uh, of the instructors. Ironside's been in everything, especially like his TV run back in the day. So, like, Normie's, he was just one of those journeyman actors he was he had a special look he was good at playing gruff no nonsense and it was great did we miss out on having him go up against like nick nolte somehow yeah god damn it ironside (laughs) it's 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 but but i would like to see him i'm telling you what we missed out on is him and john saxon going on canadian adventures oh that is sad that we'll never get that you know what? Technically, they're doing it right now. Yeah. They're going through the, the wilds of Saskatchewan. Yeah. Actually, no. No. Ironside is still with us. Is Ironside? Is not? I believe. Oh, no. Well, I, you Okay. You go to the MDBA, and I'll praise uh, Michael Ironside a little bit more. We're not pulling a Howard. We're not going to pull a Rugger Howard. We are not. We are not. Because uh, we had a chance to, when we were still doing uh, the Monday Mystery Movie Nights at Tapcade, uh, a little film called Turbo Kid of which plays into a philosophy of our podcast, Turbo Kid and Kung Fury, but the fact that Michael Ironside plays the main bad guy in this current Canuxploitation film that pays homage in, to a lot of his previous he, work. He is still alive. Thank goodness. Okay, go, oh, man. He is still an actor. Let's just say here as of uh, December 29th, 2022, he's still alive. I... Oh my god, I hope like we don't get terrible news Thursday before this drops. Again, so. yeah, sorry we apologize to everyone uh, involved with Rutger Hauer. How was your summer? Was not a good summer. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Michael Ironside's dope. He's from I mean, from everything, everything he's in. He's, he's in. just one of those actors, Canadian actors you can always count on. Mm-hmm. To be again like John Saxon to be like the highlight of everything. Because he was. I, I don't want to say I wasn't pulling a poochie at any time, but I'm like, well, where's, where's Ironside? Where's Ironside makes things? Because he was just so like. Rrr. Okay, let's let's talk about the one thing that was my only negative takeaway, and that is of our lead character. And I had kind of the same feeling going in with Streets of Fire with Michael Pere mm-hmm. and how I love everything else going on around him with the characters and the actors and but he and pet cemetery they just don't match the level the energy and i don't want to say necessarily the talent of those around them but it's noticeably different when Mm -hmm. they're on didn't take me out of it but at the same time what was an amazing film that exceeded my expectations i think could have been at another level and possibly like top three cronenberg like that kind of a performance eh, plays into that. Well, because see, here's the thing: he was more fun when he was a bum. 
Yeah, yeah because when we're introduced your hero, he's walking through the mall and he's just stealing people's cigarettes. Stephen Lack, yeah, just taking food off people's plates, which you got a kick out of. I was loving it. I was like, this dude is great. Like, like, like that's hilarious. Like he's just going around yikes, just stealing people's things and watching. And like that old lady's like, oh, he's looking at me weird. He goes, oh yeah, and she's over there freaking out. And for a second, for a split you second. I was thinking, like, is he, like, giving her, like, an orgasmatron type thing? Because she had this look for, like, like I said, first it was, like, what's happening where she got nervous? And then she goes, like, ah, right? And I'm thinking, and like, it is Cronenberg. It is Cronenberg. So nothing is really off the table <laughs> when it comes to anything, anything, <laughs> right? And so, but then everything started getting worse and she went on a full seizure and i saw that what that he was doing but for a second i was like he was like oh, oh yeah oh, you think i'm disgusting i'll show you right i'm like is this like click or zap or whatever that movie that terrible scott bayo and uh willie ames yeah I don't, <laughs> I don't think we've gotten cronenberg zapped quite yet <laughs> although i think if you took bits and pieces from all of his films and cronenberg you them together you could take it. you could probably make that happen no in this case you get the first example of the sound design that we get when the scanning is happening <laughs> and that mixed in we're in your brain it's terrifying because that mixed in with the howard shore score like you said it's dissonant it's it's upsetting it's off but mm -hmm. it's also still compelling and i was just driven throughout the entirety of the film uh they do call them telepathic telepathic curiosities yes yeah, such disdain from the the weapons company and the fact that these yes these are scientists but they're not there for helping they're there to weaponizing weaponize even at the beginning when we find our professor xavier started this for and nefarious reasons and then like yeah you know what he he didn't really turn to the side of good he just forgot to be evil yeah it just complacency yeah in this case and the bad thing about oh. him he was unfortunately named dr ruth so of course i'm thinking dr ruth westheimer's over there like and what we need for the psychics is lots and lots of sex sex and sex and sex age of demarcation again there are guarantee a probably a large portion of our younger viewers and listeners while watching this aren't going to have the same trip we did with Dr. Ruth. Mm -hmm. And now every goddamn time they said Dr. Ruth, genius would pipe up a little. <laughs> and the riffing would happen. But Dr. Ruth, as played by Patrick McGuhan, who I'm familiar with, I had to backtrack a little because love me some Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden are huge dorks. They're fanboys. Uh, one of their songs is The Prisoner. Mm -hmm. It's all about this little British program called The Prisoner that I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And they include clips from the introduction. So I know the whole, you know, uh, who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. Like all that. What are you looking for? Information. Information. Yeah, it's what. I know that through the Iron Maiden song. So when I saw that name pop up, I'm like, wait a minute, is that? And then I saw him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the prisoner. And he is his line delivery in this. I felt there's some there was some. OK, maybe it's just because I recently watched the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. 
but there were some Heston-esque deliveries that he gave through this film. Mm-hmm. The very end, when he's having his crisis of conscience. And he's putting two and two together and, and having realizing that whole thing, what he's... Weird, interesting It was choices were being made. I didn't know what he was doing, if he was being mind-controlled or anything right. like right. that. And, you know, speaking of The Prisoner, I've actually seen an episode of The Prisoner. How was it? It was actually pretty good. Pretty good. And the only reason why that I seen an episode and they only knew of, of it, two reasons. One, way back in the day in the sci-fi, they had like a marathon, so they, so it was the episode. But the other reason why I was realizing there's an episode on The Simpsons when the it's bubble yep. comes up yep. and basically eats Hans Molman <laughs> and just like, and it's hilarious, right? And it came out of nowhere, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And this was like pre-internet, so go and try to find what that's from that's on sweet. one of the like AOL forums. Like, oh, that's from the show The Prisoner. And so I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And sure enough, here comes the bubble, and I'm like, okay i put two and two together the simpsons are responsible for probably so much backwards and reverse engineering mm-hmm. and the cool shit again taking a western civilization class will make you appreciate the simpsons so much more <laughs> exactly so much going on with that but again cerebral from the simpsons cerebral to cronenberg there's a lot of stuff happening with this movie but it also includes giant heads in the studio of our art scanner that thing in his entire studio, it's like that. That his his workspace, his nook in his studio was disturbing and rad but at also, the same yeah, time. Because that, kind of perfect for Cronenberg. It's a big giant head, just a big giant head. It's like a reject for like the the the, the Planet of the Apes at the very end. Mm-hmm. And you basically walk into his neck and like the little area with the sofa and the nook is ba- where the brain is. It's fucking rad. It's dope. It looks like something you would see in Slim Body's Good Body's Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's, ca- it's it's pretty dope. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. If I walked into somebody's house and I saw a big giant head, like come on into the nook and let's sit down. Do you ever have dreams, Pee Wee? <laughs> yeah. I dream there's a giant snake rolling a donut. Well, you know, I just recently, this is technically um, part of a Michael Ironside double feature that I had today as I, I took in Watchers for the first time. The They're, the the uh, Dean Koontz? Corey Haim, and indeed. There's a, a, a Francis Institute. Francis. I said that every goddamn time every afterwards. Every goddamn time. Thank you, Genius McGee, for that. I appreciate that. Francis. I can't even but, walk in the store or anything like anybody. Oh, who's in Fargo? Well, there's William H. Macy and Francis McDormand. Francis. <laughs> well, the, our, our, our buddy from The Brood gives us more of part of what scanning is, but like this this death rattle when he's scanning and giving him information. It's... It, Find Richter at the... Oh, it's awful. It's off-putting. It's, it's unsettling. And it doesn't look pleasant no and what it looks like it's more unpleasant let's talk about um let's talk about the, his other partner in crime the one that thinks that uh it's bad news um iris oh yeah oh no no i'm oh, sorry kim 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 yeah, uh, played by jennifer o'neill yeah so she she had something haunting happen to her when um 
they're all so she's basically the Moira McTaggart where there she's mm-hmm. like, hey, let's all have a commune and live together. And they're all like, together we can keep the voices out if we all use our shin together. So and you've got a group of scanners coming together. It's a scanner support group. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. It's very peaceful. It's meditative. But then um, <laughs> Ironside sends his hired his goons cronies. to blast the uh, place with shotguns. Oh, okay, side oh, tangent. Let's, oh, yeah, no, that's side tangent. tangent. This has so fucking many shotguns, and apparently they're real because they were used in the special effects to create the head explosion. But all the goons have shotguns, all the security guards have shotguns, um, fucking the assassins have pull apart. Uh, you got shotguns in guitar cases. You got shotguns in trench coats. You got shotguns everywhere. It looks like Canadian NRA. Do, do it you is think wild. That was part of like the tax shelter agreement that you have to have a certain amount of shotguns. I would not be surprised if like on the credits, thank you to the Canadian Film Board Tax Institute and raise discount <laughs> shotguns because like it's there is a lot of shotguns. And that group scan to the but slaughter. Anyway, yeah. So they're oh. having the group scan. The guy cronies come in blow the blast up she flips out and just sets those instantly on blaze right add it to the checklist but then (laughs) wonderful flame right but then she goes i know what it felt like to die die. and then her hair got a little bit more white and i'm like that's haunting that's haunting but going back to the the scanner shin power roll Mm -hmm. call Everybody made, we talk about like, you know, Michael Ironside making that dude's head explode. But the fact that Kim tapped into that dude's guilt and like made him, made herself look like his mom to the point where like he was curled up in a ball crying. That's fuckery (laughs) that is fuckery on another level yes it is on another level that is next level scanning genius that's not scanning 101 and the bad thing is she didn't even say dick she just looked at the with like i'm more disappointed than i am angry (laughs) fuck just like ah it turns out there's there's an ad there's an advantage being raised catholic as a scanner (laughs) than any other like religion or denomination tap into that Guilt vein. Sweet guilt. Just guilt vein. That's bigger than any pulsating vein right, exactly. you get when scanning. That man. is that is huge. So, I, and just left him a mess to the point where bubbling. like I'm surprised like the next day he's not crying. He's still in his uniform. <laughs> God. So you've got the influence, the mind reading, the pyrotechnics, the guilt and the shame. What I wasn't anticipating. Although I'm not surprised. Technomancy? No. That was the... I was not expecting technomancy. It was That is fucking rad. But it also shows you Cronenberg tapping into a particular vein. His sci-fi brain. He knows what's happening. I I didn't... It didn't even make any sense to me before this movie how uh, psychic powers can equate to technomancy. Sure. But... Cronenberg just kind of did it in an exploratory way where it makes perfect sense. Like Because it's all about the central nervous system. Yeah, computers got central nervous systems, humans got central nervous system, put two and two together, and they're like, Dr. Ruth, you're a sexual genius. <laughs> you know? So like I find ways to make them compatible. See, when just using the automaton, 
The problem is you have to insert that B into slide A. Use the floppy disk <laughs> and you have the hard drive in the RAM in no time. <laughs> Bone? Okay, I'm done. I don't know. I don't know whether to reel you in or just let you go. <laughs> just let you go. But the hacking that happens, the tech technomancy, I guarantee you, the Wachowskis were probably a big fan of this film because there's definitely some influence or at least images homaged in scanners that I saw in The Matrix. Yeah. And again, it's got that Cronenberg ten, uh, sense of tension and then his dark humor. The, and the payoff with it as well. And the, the, the bada boom. Because he's over there talking about like, you know, how do we kill him? Well, we can shut off the whole system. No, we don't want to do that because it'll just fry everything. Fucking do it. Yep. At the gunpoint, he goes, are you sure? Because everything we'll do is lost. Do it. And the guy's like, trying to download shit out via phone. When the explosions are about to happen, when they finally turn everything off, and that one goon was like, see, nothing's going to happen. Boom. And it blows up in that dude's face where it blows him off the window, oh, and man. it blows up in the other guy's face. And that was an in-camera, in-face explosion. That was fucking slick. That was tough. And then right after that, almost in tandem, is a car exploding Ooh. and a phone melting. The phone melting. The, melt the car exploding was a cool gag was a because like, oh, it, it was, was just one little, almost one little like cinder. <laughs> almost cartoonian. Boom! Because Cronenberg's funny. Yeah, He's funny he and cool, right? So when he can do a little gag like that, boom! And you don't expect it because he's classy. <laughs> but then the phone, that was something you would see in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Because that phone gag with just this tar coming out of it was it like disturbing. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was highly disturbing. It was. I wasn't anticipating no. that. And it was just the perfect way to like cap that entire set piece and there are several set pieces in this the van stunt from the from the slaughter to the that holy that whole shit piece. with when the, the pirate when the, the pirate action when it pulls up when they pull up and they batten down the hatches and they open up the galley doors and just a barrage dude you of you shotguns to that like i was like holy shit because it wasn't like you know like a drive-by shooting like where like okay there's two people in the van or whatever they open them to the guy with a rocket mm -hmm. launcher or they'll roll down the window and there's a dude in the front seat and dude the back seat with two shotguns no they open up the window there's like a dozen shotguns that pull out of the window of this van and they proceed to blast this school bus filled with people with the shin the shinnings out there it's crazy this would pair well with uh dr sleep Ooh, actually that would uh, that makes sense though given the fact that cronenberg has collaborated with king and sh and and, and shine shine or shin hunting Shinting. i almost said shin yeah we don't want to oh, no, go, go there and I'm sure, although shunting, given shunting. the chance, although given the chance, I'm sure uh, Cronenberg is a big fan of Usna. I like the way that guy thinks. <laughs> He's sitting there in his Deckard mask, just sitting there like, zip. Give me Usna on the phone. I have an idea for him. Zip. And he's like just sitting there. Unfortunately, he's talking to nobody. He's just sitting there in his giant room of knives, just admiring his fountain of blood that he got at Danzig's garage sale. And he's just like, I would expect nothing less. Enjoying life, sitting there drinking a Molson through a wine glass because he's classy. 
That's how I picture Mike Cronenberg. Pinky out. Pinky right? out. Deckard mask and a roaring fireplace. Well, let's get to <laughs> the final battle because I think with that the final battle, slick. let's now talk. That's the, another. I've seen that clip because it always shows the raw when yep. he looks up and, and he's all vain. He's got the beyond eyes. But I did not expect to see the amount of gore. First of all, all the shotguns and emulations that people went through, wonderfully violent and gory. Some good practical squibs. Again, he doesn't shy away from the violence and gore. No. But what impressed me on this one and what I was not expecting was the creation of the veins through dick smith's masterful uh, special effect and then the blood just kind of pouring out and just adding to it and then of course cronenberg loving it and it should be noted of course this we're giving a lot of love to the boutique blu-ray releases uh there's some phenomenal special features that, on that, the desk but that disc. special effects features was slick. it's great well because dick with when i hear the name dick smith i do think of bladders in his innovation of the mm -hmm. bladder effect and yeah. technique that has just been that is still used to this day. Oh, absolutely. For, and to great effect. The bit where, as we learned, it was one thing to have them fill up with the blood, but then he put a little pinhole at the top so it would just squirt out a little, and that's what Cronenberg kept in. He loved it because it was supposed to stop just, before yeah. it went out, but he was like, no, let's no, keep, no, no. Let's let's keep, keep it. And I, I could, like I told you, I just film it. Zip. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Zip. You know, and then just like. And the love and like reverence for dick smith and his contribution and is warranted because like it's, it's, he is a pioneer yeah. and without the bladders without those cool squibs and all, all the other special techniques i mean there's reasons why like the dick smith makeup kit is some of the best in the world yep you know oh, wow. that's the reason why it's expensive yeah it's it, the dick smith makeup kit is slick because they still make them yep. too it's, he has his own brand of special effects makeup that you can buy and and like coming from like old school theater background i remember having like yeah i'll take the dick smith stuff because it's good shit it's a little bit more but you're good you're paying for quality you don't want your shit falling off and then but anyway so beyond the little blood when they start ripping the face and chunks and, and it was masterfully done because he is genuinely gouging chunks out and if not done right it could pull that prosthetic completely off i was watching with anxiety hoping that of course i know i know it wouldn't be in the movie if it happened right but it still is like oh how are it didn't and it didn't take me out of the movie. I it was more invested like so good. Yes. So good and so real. And he did it twice. Twice. And it was oh wonderful. Well, and the fact that not only did they bring in Dick Smith for the reshoots at the very end, but then you also have the collaboration of a special effects artist Gary Zeller, who The most dangerous nerdlinger in Hollywood. Holy shit. Again, some amazing firework that happens in this film. But then also Hank Hill gone evil. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but then also the fact that we got a young uh, Chris Wayless getting his start because then eventually he would be the one that would win an Academy Award in 1986 for his work in The Fly. Mm -hmm. And it's it's Chris and it's Wayless. And that's the yes, Wayless. We, we've got confirmation. I go to old Heather Wixon in her interviews to see how to pronounce that because I consider her the expert and all that. But he, it's the and then the fact that he is looking back longingly they all were mm -hmm. of the fact that they were able to do some really cool work back in the day that apparently working with Cronenberg is a collaboration. Yeah. And no, everybody's got nothing but mad respect for Cronenberg. 
And also should be noted, uh, it is um, Robert A. Silverman that plays Benjamin Price, the the artist, the scanner artist. But also this film, as many of his movies were, uh, was filmed by Mark Irwin, who is just one of those cinematographers that is probably not on the level of like a Dean Cundy or a Richard Deacons, but is one of those that is respected. And as we saw on the like the thing was the, encouraged Ironside to go big. And when he started chewing through the scenery at the very end oh yeah apparently it was a good it know, worked yeah. it worked because again he's the whole time even when he's trying to explode frank oz's head and he's even like and he's using his psychic powers it's more menacing than campy oh, yeah oh no but when, and even his but his villains earl his villain role in this is super low key but it's so threatening intimidating and finally when he releases all this like i'm right you're like holy shit you are fucking terrifying because i told you he didn't say two fucking words in that one scene where they look down and he's standing in front of that diddler van wearing that leather coat in that dark alley and i go dude ironside is not a guy i would want to meet in a dark alley no. even now because and i'm sure he's probably for all intents and purposes the sweetest elderly man the sweetest gentleman out there but but he looks intimidating in this. He looks scary. So in 2022, um, I saw a couple of films that presented me with, let's just call it the O-Face. Um, in Night of the Demon, <laughs> I saw Bigfoot's O-Face several times. And Don't fuck with us, man. Saw Clint Howard's O-Face as well. And technically, with the final battle, you can say, I say I saw three things. I saw veins, eyeballs, and O-faces all throughout. And the best part with the eyeballs is this film is Canadian. It's doing a little Italian here. Yeah. Because that was a... Ooh. I don't know if I had not seen that portion or if I had forgotten about that, but that was a nice surprise when that hit. The eyeball explosion was wonderful. Awesome. I was not expecting that at all. That whole end battle... I was thinking it was going to end with um, either an immolation, as we saw before, or a head explosion, as we saw before. I was not expecting any of that other goo, any of that other, like, uh, veins. Hey, sweetie. Any of that other... um, He can can still surprise you, even with a damn near, again, a 41-year-old film. Yeah. This is a pleasant, wonderful surprise. And it wasn't wasn't slow at all. No, no. It was... was brisk i mean like it was telling a very good grounded superhero story it was. this felt contemporary and it should be noted it launched a franchise and i've seen a huge have, franchise like five deep five deep and i've actually i have seen the first scanner cop i have actually watched that film it is on the i've seen that channel i enjoyed it I have not watched scanners two or three of course since i haven't watched the first i haven't watched scanner cop two of which i have on blu-ray but Based on where we end this film, which was another surprise. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that take. No. Which was kind of cool with, again, spoilers for a 40-some-odd-year-old film, the transference. Yeah. And like, oh... Because we see this whole the whole psychic battle, right? We see our hero basically get it. His he's the one where his he's the one where his eyeballs pop out. His face is ripping off. His veins are popping out of his face. So we're like, holy shit, evil one! And at this point in the game, honestly, if I if evil won the day, 
I would be like, all right, cool. I'm Sometimes team evil wins. Side, Some team evil wins. You know, even if I win this one, I decide, <laughs> he's got some points. You know, he's got, <laughs> he got some points. points. <laughs> so, Genius. no, but um, uh, what, but no, what turned turned out, it was a whole brain switcheroo. Good thing he didn't get the brain scramblies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Or Next the, level. <laughs> but here's the thing. I already said how much intimidating Michael Ironside was. When he turns around, he goes, it's me. It's Milk Toast, right? And he's got that, like, eyes. those blue eyes. There was something unholy, unnatural about it. It's, it's the start of the Uncanny Valley without ones and zeros. Yeah. It was like in Always Sunny when they tried to make the Juarez family white by putting contacts in their eyes. Whoa. It looked freaky as shit. <laughs> right? That's what it looked like. It just, because it's off putting. And it's the last shot of the scene. And, and like, then, huh? We get credits. Happy ending. Maybe a Cronenberg ending, right? But then the I mean, because evil is banished, but well, yet he's got creep eyes. It's okay, but he's yeah, well. And then you got you know what? Fuck it. You got Michael Ironside's uh, the thing. I think we're all winning. We're all winning. Mm -hmm. But we get to the the cool credits, stylized, computerized, uh, dot matrix worked really well. Yeah, if you did. were to print it off, you'd have to have that Rena sheet that. Mm -hmm. Cause when we say they got to shut down the computer, this is the one like where that has the reels, the old school. Where like we got uh, earth shattering three gigabytes of RAM. Nineteen. Uh, yeah, computers. it's huge. Yeah. Computer. Uh, up against a mutant, and they mentioned that there are more mutants. In fact, we have an unborn psychic scanning. Yeah. It's again. There's a lot of layers. Prenatal going scan. On. Yeah, that Cronenberg <laughs> is digging into. But I'll be honest, I'll probably have to seek out at least scanners two and three because I've heard they go a little bit crazier. Crazier. Yes. I wonder I'm I'm sure they get a little bit campier because of course you're not gonna have that Cronenberg flair. Mm -hmm. And if you try to do a one about psychics and battles and, and, and explosions. I'm looking. I want to see him I too, know, right? but I also have like air caution. A little bit of air caution because, like, I'll, I want to see the further adventures of the the psychic world and see, like, again, I would love a Cronenberg cinematic universe. You know, like with a little homunculi running around. And you know what the best part is? Then eventually, when he's tired of it, he'll just pass it down to Brandon. And you'll just get the next generation of weird and creepy, as it turns out. There's people putting on other people's faces <laughs> and, like, fucking Andrew Risenborough and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. No, but this is, I think, a great way to start because, again, it's a film that was a first-time viewing, exceeded our expectations. This and, is a wonderful viewing. And is a fantastic Blu-ray release that I cannot recommend enough. Thank you, Criterion, for this one. Now, that being said, we haven't quite decided on what we're going to cover next, I know it is going to be a first-time viewing for you regardless. Yes, we have a list. We just yes. don't know what order that list is going to be put in. We'll be adjusting it as such, but I know this is available probably on the Criterion streaming channel. That's fine, but please, well worth your buy via physical media. So until next week, this is Greg D. And I'm... And we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>